0: Let's pray. God, thank you for drawing us here. Thank you for the grace that we have that we even take breaths right now on this side of eternity. Thank you for the freedoms that we have that came at a great price, at a great cost. Father, we pray that our hearts though easily distracted, would be laser-focused on you at this moment. God, that you would give us what we have not. That you would teach us what we know not. That you would make us what we are not. You have called us to be holy, for you are holy. And we have been set apart for you, but we have a long, long way to go. We are far from home, but we are full of hope, because we have a living hope in a living Savior, through a living Word. And we pray all of this for your glory, for Christ's reward, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A little bit of a prologue, or for those into music, I think it's a prelude, or a a preamble for those who ramble, I think is... How it works. Um, I don't normally preach, um, but that's fitting because I'm not normal. And uh, when I do, it's usually not normal. Um, I'm a visual person, which means um, that you can see me, and that I learn uh, and and do things by seeing. So I use a lot of visuals, and I'm going to do that again today. But even this is not normal. Uh, when I begin, it's, it's going to be a continuous uh, just run of the visuals um, without me being able to really stop it, and that's for a couple reasons. One, it keeps me on track, uh, so we will get out of here on time. Two, um, there is something I want to save time for at the end to show you that I'm extremely excited about, and I want to get there as quickly as possible, but because of that, um, that also means that I'm not going to have time to make a correction that's in your notes. Uh, there are no fill in the blanks. It's just basically what I'm going to be, be sharing. So you don't even have to look at this if you uh, don't need to or don't want to. Um, if you're a doodler, um, there are some white spaces that you can still doodle if you enjoy doing that. Uh, but there is on the back side of the page, there's the box there that says warning. And the, the correction is in the is in the reference. It is not John 11, 28 through 30. It is Matthew 11, 28 through 30. I just wanted to make that correction because when you go home, there is a John 11, 28, um, but that is not the verse I was wanting to reference. Uh, it will be Matthew 28, uh, verse 30. Uh, there are other mistakes in there, but I'll leave those up for you to find. Those are fun. You can use that uh, at your own time. And so, we are about to hit the play and begin. We are going to continue our study in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. We're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 3. And we're looking at growing up into salvation. No excuses, no shortcuts. I enrolled into an all art college for two reasons. One, I really like art. And two, I really, really don't like tests and exams. And so I got to go to college for four years and never take a single test or exam. That was the good news. The bad news was we had something called a critique class, also known as the crit. Dun dun dun. The crit was something where we'd get an assignment and we'd work on it overnight and then drag in on the morning of the crit and put our heart, I'm sorry, our art up on the wall just to have all of my classmates just shoot it to shreds. Just to give you an idea of what a crit is like, imagine posting your favorite selfie and all of a sudden people start dogpiling all these negative comments, only it's not online, they're actually in the room with you. That's what it feels like, only it's worse because you're waiting for the professor to say something, and even if he says something good, like, solid job, but the shading could use some work, what the artist heard is far different. We heard, this stinks, you're ugly, and you have no reason to live. <laughs> right? And you're saying, Rob, did you learn any art in college? Absolutely. I learned the art of being defensive and rationalizing, and I earned a Ph.D., Alright, I remember one specific crit. It was a professor, Professor Irving Haynes. We call him Swerving Irving, not to his face. He gave an assignment and like all assignments, we worked on it really hard, just trying to get it done, except for one of my classmates, a good friend of mine. He wasn't working at all. He just seemed to be relaxed. We're going to call him Max, just for sake. And Max had this idea. It was either a brilliant idea or it was literally the worst idea in the history of humanity. He thought, why should I spend so much time working on this presentation where even if it's good, I'm going to get crushed during the crit. When I can spend as little time on it as possible, all I have to do is ace the crit. Sounds reasonable, right? The morning of the crit comes, we put all of our work up on the wall and we're waiting to see what is Matt going to pull out. He pulls out a piece of paper with scribble on it and puts it up there. And immediately people start hammering it. But for everything they throw at Max, he's got a reason for why he is able to defend it. Max, it doesn't look like you spent any time on it. He says, well, okay, so let's say I spent twice as much time as all of you. Does that make it twice as good? Okay, fair point. But you didn't even use quality paper, Max. It's on the back of a used carbon copy sheet. So for those of you who don't know what carbon copy is, it's before copy machines. He says, yeah, but Gauguin used to paint on the back of coffee bean sacks because he couldn't afford canvas. Does that mean his work wasn't any good? One after one, he was able to just deflect all of these objections, and it was quiet. We're just all waiting. What's the professor going to say to this? He walks up, looks at the piece, and it's just quiet. And then he says something that I'll never forget. He says, you can't cure a visual headache with verbal aspirin. (laughs) Boom. The lesson for Max and for all of us that day was clear. There is no excuse for bad art, and there is no shortcut for excellent art. And with that, Paul reminds us, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The main word here is workmanship. It refers to a masterpiece. Who are the masterpieces? Those who are in Christ, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. These good works literally refer to deeds of righteousness that God has prepared He has prepared them. It is a word that means to make ready in advance. Think of it like planning an event. Maybe it's a graduation open house or a wedding. Maybe it's at work where you've got a product rollout. You're planning this or a military campaign. Think about all of the hundreds of things that we put into making something like that happen. Preparing. How much more has God prepared these good works that we should walk in them? The word walk refers to a life that is lived out. And so the question is, for all of us, is my life a walking masterpiece or a walking headache? And if I'm honest, the answer is both. Right? I know the truth, that the truth is that I am a masterpiece, but I don't always live like it's true. Right? The, the saying that we're all familiar with is that I don't always walk the talk. And when I don't, I, I revert back to just talking more, talking louder, working harder. And then I'm reminded you can't cure a visual or even a walking headache with verbal aspirin. And so Peter has something better for us. We're going to see an example of divine repetition. He's going to repeat with variation. Everything that he had just written in chapter 1, he's going to do again, but he's going to do it slightly differently. And so we're going to look back at 1 Peter chapter 1, which Chris preached last week. In the verses 22 through 25, and there in verse 22, we see love one another earnestly from a pure heart. This is the moral imperative, whereas it is to love one another. Verse 23, since you have been born again, is the redemptive indicative. Born again. Because you have been born again, you can love one another. Verse 23b through 25 says through the living and abiding word of God. This is the causation what caused all this? It was the living and abiding word of God. And Peter's going to do the same thing now in the verses we cover today in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We see the moral imperative. So put away all, and he gives us a list of five things. But then he makes a slight switch. He puts the causation next. Those who long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow. The spiritual milk is the living and abiding word of God. We're going to see that and the redemptive indicative if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. I'm going to show you that that's the same as being born again. And so to quote a good friend of ours, C. Abraham Fritz, (laughs) moral imperatives always flow out of redemptive indicatives. Now, i got to tell you, C. Abraham Fritz, that is a good theological author's name right there. You've got to start writing. Now, you're thinking, really? Did Chris really come up with that? Did he originate? I don't know. I just know he's the first person I heard it from, and I heard from him more than anyone else. So he gets my baby seal of approval. right? He owns that. And it's a great saying. It's a great quote. Listen, moral imperatives always flow out of redemptive indicatives. Now, that's sometimes kind of hard to remember of getting it all right. So here's an easier way to think of it. Think of it as this. God never tells us to do anything unless he has already done something. Or in simpler terms, we do because of all Jesus has done. And so let's look at the redemptive indicative. We're going to start in verse 3 first and work our way back. And there's a benefit to driving backwards. One, you get a different, unique perspective that you wouldn't otherwise get. Two, it can sometimes help you get out of some tricky theological spots. All right, where sometimes the moral imperatives are before the redemptive indicative. So we're going to look at verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. It starts with the word if, which is a conditional statement. If verse 3 is true, then verses 1 and 2 apply to you. But if it is not true, then verses 1 and 2 cannot apply to you. And so if what? If indeed, not if perhaps or if maybe, but it literally means if in fact. If, in fact, you have tasted three English words, that is really one Greek word. It's in the plural because Peter is writing to many individuals. But it also talks about consuming an experience. And this has to be experienced personally, individually. Think of it as if we were all out and I ordered a full rack of baby back ribs for, for the whole table, but I devoured them all and left nothing but the bones. And I asked you, so how'd that taste? Like, how'd what taste? You, you pigged out. You ate them all. So you have to personally consume this for yourself. And what is it you're tasting? That the Lord is good. The word good means pleasant, easy to bear, kind, and gracious. It's the same word used in Matthew 11.30 and Luke 6.35. Familiar verses. Matthew 11.30 says, For my yoke is easy, there's the word, and my burden is light. Now the yoke is the kind that go on ox. Not the kind that come out of chickens. All right? One yoke is easy, the other is over easy. Now, I say this because there are many baby believers who actually read this verse and they thought of breakfast, not beasts of burden. So we have to do a better job of explaining to people who have never seen a yoke before what it is referring to. That's just a little freebie. If indeed you have tasted, that the Lord is good. Luke 6.35 says, But love your enemies and do good, not the same word good in the Greek, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High God, for He is, and here's the word, kind. He is kind to the ungrateful and evil. How good is the Lord? He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil, and that was me, and that was you before you were in Christ. That's how good He is. Peter is quoting Psalm 34, verse 8. That psalm has 22 verses in it. 20 of them apply to those who are saved. Now, I'm going to read just a few of those verses, but listen to the salvation language that is in that. Verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man Cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Those are just five of the twenty verses that are true of you if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I encourage you, go home today, read those with your family, read those and be encouraged. But if you are not saved, There are two verses in Psalm 34 that apply to you, and I would ask that you would listen to the warning in them. Verse 16 says, The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Verse 21, Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. Those two verses carry as much weight as the other 20 do. The question is this, have you personally experienced the gracious saving work of Jesus in your life? You have to answer this question for yourself. Have you personally experienced that the Lord is good? If you have not, I beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He is calling you to himself. In fact, let's just pray right now. Take a pause in this and just pray. God, if you are doing a work, if you have set apart anyone before the foundation of the world at this time, that you would be drawing them to themselves at this moment, if they can hear my voice, either in this room, online, or even later when it is uploaded and streamed and listened to at another time, if at that moment you have determined that they would turn to you, Pray that the Holy Spirit who regenerates would grant them the faith to believe, to repent of their sin, and to turn and trust in you alone for salvation. For you are good. And you desire that none would perish, but that all would come to a saving knowledge of you. All whom you have set apart for your glory. God, I pray that they would do that even now in their heart of hearts. That they would call upon the one who can save them and say, save me, Lord Jesus. Only you can. And if you don't, I perish. And we pray, God, that you would do this for your glory, for Christ's reward, that the lamb that was slain would receive the full reward for his suffering. And by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, who comes in and dwells inside of each of his blood-bought children. We pray this. Amen. This would be a good time to get this drink right now. Let's continue looking at the redemptive indicative, we're going to now look at the causation in verse 2. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. The word like is sometimes translated in some verses as as. It indicates a simile comparing two objects. So what are the two objects being compared? It's in verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, then you are like a newborn infant in verse 2. The word newborn infant is two words, newborn meaning newly, recently born. But the word infant is interesting. It is a small child, one still perhaps in the womb unborn, and the word used for fetus. And here I would be remiss if I did not pause and say that we need to look at the fetus not as DNA, tissue, or just cells. But God calls it an infant, a child, a term he uses for us. Therefore, abortion cannot be tolerated. It can only be abolished. And we have no choice but to do that and honor God. Now, a question. How do we reconcile infants used here in First Peter with First Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 3.1 and Hebrews 5.13? They're the same word, but they're used in a different way. First Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 3.1 says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as, here's the word, infants in Christ so infants in Christ is equal to people of the flesh as opposed to spiritual people. Hebrews 5.13 says, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is what? A child. And so Paul and the writer of Hebrews use these words, infants, child, and milk, to describe a level of maturity, or in their cases, a lack of maturity. Peter is not describing a level of maturity. He's describing a level of hunger and longing and desire. We've got friends who have a a newborn infant and you do not have to train this child to long, to desire, to hunger for milk. If they do not get it, they will let you know. All right, so the question is this. What if I have no desire or longing for? Well, the truth is everybody longs for something. Or to put it another way, it's not a question of if we desire, but what we desire. So as newborn babes long for what? For the pure spiritual milk. It's the word logikos. It's the same word used in Romans 12:1, where we read, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your, here's the word, spiritual or reasonable worship. It comes from the root word logos, the word, John 1, 1. So the question is, what if I'm not longing for the pure spiritual milk of the word? Two things. One, don't settle for substitutes. We've already said that it's not a question of if we desire, but what we desire. And if I am desiring something that is not the pure milk of the word, it will not satisfy. It will only fill up. Two, and this comes with a, a warning, the answer is not to try harder, be more disciplined, or read the Bible more. If I tell you that, I'm no better than the Mormons, who say, you do your best and Jesus does the rest. Or the Roman Catholics, who say, do more good than bad in your in. All right? Scripture has a much better answer. It is good news. Matthew 11:28. Jesus says this, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." This pure, sp- pure spiritual milk, this Logos, is not the Bible. And I know that sounds almost like heresy, but it's the one whom the Bible is all about. It's about Jesus. Take his words, not mine for it. John 5:39 and 40 says this, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me. He didn't say, yet you refuse to read the Scriptures, You refuse to come to me that you may have life. Spiritual milk is Jesus. The same one who saves is the same one who justifies, is the same one who sanctifies, and is the same one who glorifies. That by it you may grow. The Greek is literally, it grows or he grows you. So Christ is growing you up into salvation. That's the causation, the moral imperative, verse one. Therefore, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Starts with the word so is there. Therefore, since or because, because of what? Because of verse 22 through 25 is true. Therefore, put away all malice. Put away means to get rid of, lay aside, stop or cease. It's the same word used in Hebrews 12, 1, where it says, Therefore, since you are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, there's the word, every weight and sin which so easily entangles us. It means to cast off a soiled garment. Remember, we watched a video about Christians in India who were forced to work in the sewages. That would be the kind of casting off you would do to get rid of this as fast as possible. Get rid of what? All malice. Hatred, wickedness, evil, trouble. We could stop there, but it goes on. All deceit, dishonesty, falsehood, trickery. Then it says, get rid of hypocrisy. Well, it didn't say all. Well, actually, it's in the plural. So it means to pretend or act two-faced. Same thing with envy, also in the plural. All kinds of envy, jealousy. And then all slander. To speak against, speak evil of. And so, again, the question: Why only five? And why these specific five? I was reading a book recently, Misunder- uh, misreading Scripture Western eyes, and they reveal this: that in the first century literature, they commonly use list of five to ma- mention minor points, followed by a major summary. And so, we see the five list right here, the list of five. But the question is, where's the summary? Right? It's in actually, First Peter 1:22 by your obedience to the truth. For a sincere brotherly love, love one another. There's the summary. And the one another is your brother's. And so all five of those sins violate the loving one another. That's why they're listed. There's two kinds of sin. There's the idiosyncratic sin. I call these the desert island sins. This is what I can do on my own, like gluttony. I don't need anyone else to do that. But then there's the other kinds of sin. These are the collective sins, the relational sins, that I need someone else To either lust after or murder in my heart or do all of these other slanders, malice and hypocrisy. Those are the ones that we are being warned about. And so here it is, a skill of a determined redeemer. God saved us to make us like his son. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Our father wants us to look like our big brother. So here's the question. Are we cooperating with or resisting in his sanctifying work to make us his masterpiece? He's doing the work. We are the workmanship. We are the masterpiece that he is working on. That's why there are no shortcuts. Jesus doesn't take shortcuts. And he doesn't give any excuses. He will grow you up into salvation. That is not an option. If he has saved you, he has justified you. If he has justified you, he is sanctifying you. If he is sanctifying you, he will glorify you. That's good news. So what's our part? Are we cooperating with it? It's going to happen. Am I cooperating with it? Or am I resisting it? That's the question I ask myself every day. And so there is 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 3 through 1. I do all that just to share this next piece with you as an application. That's the truth, but how will that truth penetrate where we live? Because we're all going through stuff. And it will change us. The master will make his masterpiece. This piece is a, is a creative piece. One of uh, the people acting in it plays the part of one of the Godhead, one of the, the persons of the Godhead. Uh, whenever it's not scripture, it's always a little, you know, Ooh, well, God actually didn't say that. I got that. Uh, but if you listen to what the actor is saying, it is saturated in solid biblical theology. So I would encourage you as you watch this, worship in asking the Holy Spirit to say, what is being said that you, Holy Spirit, who is God dwelling in me, if you indeed have tasted that the Lord is good, is wanting to speak to me? And then the worship team will come up right after the video and lead us in continuing our worship. And I will be up here praying with with my brother Chris, and anyone else who wants to join us and say, God, I want to walk like I talk. I want to live like what I know is true. Help me to do that. Or if you have actually been saved in the hearing of this, that God has transferred you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, come and pray. We want to pray with you and encourage you. Watch, we'll sing, and we'll pray.
1: Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's workmanship. We are God's masterpiece. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at myself in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece. I mean, maybe a Picasso. But I want to be. I want to be everything that God created me to be, but I can't seem to do it. And so, I go to him and I pray something like this. Please bow your heads with me. Father, whatever it takes, please take out everything in my life that is not like you. Make me into the image of your son. Amen. Hi. Ah. Who are you? I'm God. Uh Uh-huh. What can I do for you? Uh, Maybe start by proving you're God? Mm -hmm. Let me guess. Uh, Recall some obscure
2: piece of trivia from the past, or or maybe predict the future? Maybe you would like me to perform a sign. You know, a wicked and adulterous generation search
1: for a sign. That does limit the options. Why don't you believe? Well, because I've asked for you before. You've never shown up before. Yes, I have.
2: In fact, I've never left.
1: You just haven't seen me before. Okay, so why can I see you now? <laughs> because otherwise you'd be here doing a monologue. <laughs> uh, good point. <laughs> okay, step right up. <clears throat> uh, okay, what, what, what's going on here? What, what are you doing? Well, you asked me to make you into who I created you to be. I'm going to chisel away everything that doesn't belong. Oh, okay, no, I mean, that's, that's great. That's, that's what i wanted for a really long time. In fact, I, I've been working a lot myself. You know, I've been, I mean, I'm, I'm going to church. I'm in the Word. I've been praying a lot. I mean, you know that. Uh, I've been with this weekly Bible study. We're in fellowship. We're learning a lot. I've really been growing a lot, especially these last few years. In fact, I think I, work, I, I, I know where to work next. Why don't I? Were you going to do my job, or did you, want, did you want me to do my job? Uh, you can do it. Thank you. Uh, can you start with my uh, anger problem? I, I, I've really been struggling with losing my temper a lot lately, uh, especially with my family. So
2: are you going to control how I do this, or,
1: or am I? Control, chisel. Control, chisel. Control, chisel. Uh, chisel. Okay. Can, can you let me know where you're going to do it in case, in case I don't like it? That's called control. Dang it.
2: Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring things to mind that I want you to work on. Like this way that you compare yourself to others and and judge them.
1: Ow! Holy... Yes? Nothing. You're standing right there. Were you going to swear? No. Is that a lie? Yes. Ow!
2: You complain... Many of the things you complain about are are blessings, but they're in disguise as problems or obstacles. Remember that flat tire you got on Tuesday?
1: I actually wanted you to have that. Oh, good grief! That hurts. Why? Why do you have to chisel it? Can't Can't you just like scrape it away? And like Like whittle it? I, I thought you were a carpenter. No, that That's my son. Oh, right. Ah.
2: <sighs> oh, you're envious. Envious of your employer's lifestyle. Envious of your uncle's house. Envious of Ray Vartanian's beard. Ray's beard is dope. I know. I made it. Oh. Lazy. But you pretend to be real
1: busy. <laughs> you have a problem with Lust. Okay, now that's, um, yeah, that, that's a big one. That's really, that's really going to hurt. And? Oh, can, can we just like save that for later? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Y- yes, but you've been, you've been working for a while now. You know We don't want to overdo it. Let me ask you a question. When you look in the mirror, what do you see?
2: Um, myself. Okay, then. I've got to keep chiseling until
1: you and others see my son. Uh, Okay, but what does that mean? Like, is that just going to be some uh, cookie-cutter, like, carbon copy thing? What what does that mean? No, no, no. I made you unique. Okay, but you're kind of taking away my uniquenesses here. Like, you're not just taking away the things I don't want. You're actually taking away uh, parts of my personality. Uh, How do I know what I'm going to look like when you're done? Or if I'm even going to like it? Okay. You spent your whole life sculpting
2: this. How's that working out for you? Not so great. Okay. If I go to work, that means you don't get to decide who you are anymore. That's my job. See, I created you, which means I know what parts of your personality and character are genuine and what parts are distortions. When I talk about losing yourself, I mean the clamor of self-will. Once you are willing to give that up, I give back your whole personality. Once you are wholly mine, he will be more yourself than ever. You just quoted C.S. Lewis. <laughs> well,
1: he is very quotable. <laughs> Let's take care of that anger issue now. Man, this is taking a while. When, when are we going to be done? Oh, we're, we're not. No, sanctification
2: is a lifelong process. I'll be chiseling until the day you die. Great. This this right here this little besetting sin that you run to when you're angry or tired or bored you've had this for many years now sometimes struggling against it and sometimes giving into it chisel away
1: no I'm going to leave that there for now are you kidding me? I have asked you to take that away for years. I can't do it. Can you do it? When are you going to? What's it going to take? Huh? What's it going to take? I will remove this.
2: But not yet. You're not done learning from it. I need you to learn to trust me in the temptation and the victory and even the failure.
1: You took away the complaining, but you're leaving that. It's like I still need to work on the complaining. For crying out loud.
2: Listen, I don't want you to sin and I don't tempt you to sin. But I can use even your sin and failure to draw your heart closer to me. This is a process. It's not a sprint. We're talking about your whole life here. You care so deeply about what others think of you. That's useless. The greatest affirmation you will ever hear is when you hear me say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Keep your eyes on the prize. This here, what you uh, what you'd like to do with what you call your free time? You've gone far beyond resting and enjoying my blessings. This, this is self-indulgence. I'm going
1: to trim this back a little oh, okay, bit. Okay, let let's leave that just for now. Let, let, it's very minor. Let, let's just leave that, okay? No, I think I'm going to work on that. No, look, look. It, it, look it, it's easy for you to take it away, but it's hard for me to have it taken away. Look, it, it's a very small thing. You've already taken so much. Do not ask me to sacrifice this, okay? I need my time. Don't. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. Oh, the... Um The whole cross thing? Yeah. Yeah.
2: You keep this self-indulgence because you think it will make you happy. But it hasn't yet, has it? it, it, You think I'm taking away your freedoms, but I'm really taking away your chains. Trust me. I created you. Okay, look, I'm thinking... Your thoughts are not my thoughts.
1: Yes, but if we went another way with Your there. ways are not my ways. I don't think you understand. Try me. All right, this is about making me more myself, right? In a way? Well, I know who I am. And I've been trying to hide or change him for years. Because I wake up every morning, and I look in the mirror, and I hate who I see. I am a failure, okay? I am a loser. I can't be who everyone expects me to be. I can't even be who I want to be, let alone who you created me to be. I don't want to be me. I want to be somebody else. I want to be somebody better
2: have listened to far too many voices for far too long that are not mine you think you're worthless but I don't make worthless things I created you I sent my son to rescue you I adopted you as my own child I have given you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and all of my promises are yes and amen. I take care of my creatures, even the sparrows. And you are far more than many sparrows. I'm not waiting around for you to be good enough for me to be able to accept you. I love you. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Joshua is God's masterpiece.
1: Joshua, is no, nope,
2: Start over. And this time, don't think of yourself in the way that you or others see you, but in the way that I do.
1: Joshua is God's masterpiece. Yes, you are.
2: And so are you. Your hope is not in your ability to be who you're supposed to be, but in the fact that no matter how many times you fail, I am working to make you more like my son. Your worth and identity are in Christ alone, who created you, who rescued you, who sanctifies you, and who loves you.